Where in hell can you go? Far from the things that you know Far from the sprawl of concrete That keeps crawling its way Keep your heart off your sleeve Guppy Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi Written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher. Episode 8, One More Winter. If nocturnal alcohol-inspired moments are when big decisions are made and the deeper things of life are best discussed, time spent in Colchester Castle Tea Rooms on a wet, cold October afternoon better lends itself to more practical matters and in any case, a more sober assessment of our current situation. Autumn is here, and winter is about to descend upon the islands of Britain, and must be endured once more, and that's the point, really. There is no end date to be aimed for. We aren't intending to move to warmer climes on the second Thursday of the month next August. The timing of our move needs to have as much fluidity as everything else regarding this ever-fluid business. Buru is still alive for one thing, and an optimistic assessment says that we have about half a lodge. But we still have no real idea how much longer building work will take, or how much everything will cost in the end. Nor indeed have we decided how long after practical completion we should stay in our current employment, in order to put some money behind us, with which to launch our new venture and weather the first few months and the likely shortfall in guests during its initial establishment. Paula hates the cold. She's darker skinned than I, indicating more southerly ancestry, and she always feels better when she's warm and says that she looks better with a tan. I mean, she looks beautiful to my male eyes, regardless of skin tone, but who am I, a mere man, to argue with a woman about such matters? With me, it's a pure Anglo-Saxon kind of deal. I'm a classic pale skin, and given my chosen profession, have learned to take a more pragmatic attitude to prevailing temperatures. If the weather's there, I have to work in it, since every garden that I've hitherto come across has been outside and very much in the weather. Nevertheless, the point is taken, the winter is coming, and unpredictable elements notwithstanding, the hope and intention becomes established between us that we will only have to endure the English winter once more. We have a time scale, sort of, and upon such shaky foundations may things be built, all other things being equal. We're going to need a swimming pool. This takes two cups of coffee, two cigarettes and a slice of Phil's favourite cake. But I think in the end, the principle is established without my having to resort to more extreme methods of persuasion. I think not of myself, of course, but of our guests, when we get some guests. 
and I think this argument is enough to win the day and win me a swimming pool. The problem is that the land upon which Bohowo Lodge is built or is being built is for the most part sloping and swimming pools are flat, generally speaking, and I would quite like the pool to be quite big for the added enjoyment of our guests, of course. So here is a problem, but I'm sure a solution will be found. One thing which we are learning is that if enough money enters the equation, almost everything is possible. In any case, one way or another, I intend to get my pool. It isn't, I confess, something which we'd factored into our cost analysis, but then we've never done a cost analysis to factor it into, so this can't really be said to be an argument against it. And we do have the luxury of being able to decide when we go. So, there's the cost factor and time factor, and one day these things will come together in a state of harmony, at least in theory, and a swimming pool is just another part of the bigger picture, is it not? Despite language and cultural barriers, I am by degrees getting to know the people of Bohowo better. And one thing which I have got to know better is that Mr. Yan, our builder, is a drunkard. He sleeps on site and gets blind drunk every night on Chapticus, mostly on his own, emerging each morning to another bright new day, looking as though he would far sooner stay asleep. He also, during his waking hours, more or less chain-smokes kretek, or clove cigarettes, which were invented as a health-giving tonic, since they contain cloves, which are good for you. But still, as I have said before, I like Mr. Yan, who is a presence, and despite himself, has the respect of his workers. I also firmly believe that a book should not be judged by its cover, and given the number of my former years which were spent under the influence of alcohol and other substances, I am scarcely one to judge others in this regard. And the man can build, so let him otherwise live his life as he will. Mostly the other builders are just builders, but there is one young man in particular with whom I am developing a rapport. His English is about as good as my Indonesian, but we nevertheless manage conversation and I have a sense that he is important, or will be important, and his name is Nyoman. Searching back through the friends I've known, sometimes sad for the way it's grown, ranging up and ranging out and trying to change my ways about. There's a place in the place in the bow found a place for me just now just now just now moving on with every word moving with all the words I've heard turning the wheel as fast as I can turning the wheel to make me there's a man in the moon, a man in the sea, growing strong. There's a man in me just now, just now, just now. No behind and no before, there's no need to worry anymore. 
There's always a way to get happy somehow. Friend on the road, a friend in the home, a better friend now than I've ever known. Just now, just now, just now. Newman is a young man in his 20s who, for now to me, is notable for two things. The first of these is that he was formerly a professional boxer, who never lost a bout, but gave up boxing on the insistence of his mother, who was concerned for his longer-term mental and physical well-being. The other noteworthy thing about Newman is that he is a healer, who learned this particular ability from his father, who is a white witch doctor. We are learning that hereabouts, Christianity is what people do on Sundays, a recent foreign import from Holland. But underlying this is a far deeper and older belief in spirits, good and evil, and the ability of one to overcome the other. People get sick here and die if they believe that the evil spell which has been cast upon them cannot be overcome by stronger white magic. And Yeoman, apparently, has healing hands, which can also still knock seven bells out of anyone who dares to challenge him, as happens sometimes. Knives and forks are another thing which in moments of sober coffee fuel discussion should be thought about and discussed. It's the Indonesian way to eat rice three times a day and with nothing on the plate or in the bowl which requires cutting up, the cutting up having been done during preparation. In that which will one day be our home, people eat with a spoon and fork, the idea being to shovel the food onto the spoon with the fork and eat with the spoon or else they just use a spoon. Table knives, therefore, are never used and as far as we have seen, table knives don't exist for purchase anywhere in Monado and the quality of the forks and spoons for sale is in any case somewhat dubious. And then there's sheets, pillowcases and bed covers, the latter being another thing which can't be bought anywhere in the city or its environs. Sheets and pillowcases may be bought, but the sheets are all fitted and will need flat, good quality sheets which are not emblazoned with bunny rabbits, which are perhaps put there to encourage or improve the likelihood of productive union in said sheets, or flowers or hearts of different colours. But in any case, we've never seen plain, flat sheets for sale. Crockery should not present too much of a problem if we look around hard enough, and kitchen utensils are available for purchase, but the list of things which will need to be bought in quantity elsewhere and imported in suitcases grows ever longer if we are to provide for our future guests, and Carol and I are going to have to do some serious shopping before long and before anyone goes out there again. My dear sister is keen now to see what her little sister has been up to, having thus far only seen photographs of a building site. And it is I who now have to look beyond the building site, which is Phil's responsibility, to a time when all's done and we have guests to cater for, who will need something to eat with and sleep in. 
We've now accepted that all furniture, including dining tables, chairs, beds, bedside tables and so on, will have to be made to order locally. And we have time to do all of that. But luggage allowance dictates that only so much weight and bulk of soft furnishings, curtains and so on, can be transported abroad at any one time. And it's going to take a lot of times and a lot of people. And we need to start thinking of such things now. But still, as we turn up our coat collars and walk home arm in arm through the cold, damp streets of Colchester, I project my thoughts and imagination to a warmer place and to the giant leap of faith which we are taking. I have my swimming pool, at least in principle, a healthy imagination and inexhaustible faith in Phil, in us and in that which we are doing. And given all of that, what can possibly go wrong? One day our building site will be our home. Just one more winter before we make our place in the sun. And we will make it to there however many journeys it takes. Motherland So what will happen next? Find out when we return to the journey of Phil and Paula from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. <laughs> <laughs>